Welcome to the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. Illinois Starnet envisions a future where early childhood professionals and families have the supports needed to provide all children with a high-quality, equitable education in inclusive environments. Starnet's mission is to promote evidence-based inclusive practices for young children with disabilities, professional development to support educators and families, meaningful child outcomes through innovative and engaging learning experiences. To find out more about Starnet Regions 1 and 3, please visit starnet.org home. Hello, this is the DAP series on the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast, where we examine content that relates to the fourth edition of the DAP position statement and the recently published Developmentally Appropriate Practices in Early Childhood Programs book. I am your host, Emily Riley, and today I get the privilege of talking with Dr. Angela Searcy, owner and founder of Simple Solutions Educational Services, mental health consultant, adjunct professor, master trainer on pyramid model, author, and just professional development extraordinaire among many other roles. So welcome, Angela. Oh my gosh, thank you. What a great introduction. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you here today. Um, I know I just mentioned that you are an author, and so one of your recent texts is Push Past It, A Positive Approach to Addressing Challenging Behavior. Um, and I know you provide a lot of training to educators in the U.S. on this topic of challenging behaviors, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Even inter- international too. So it's, oh, it's exciting. Wow, yeah, so you're reaching <laughs> far. That's great. Um, well, I know our listeners then will be very excited to hear from you today. Awesome. And um, I just in being in the field myself as well and being a professional development provider, I know this topic of challenging behavior, it's one that comes up frequently. You know, if we ask um, people that we serve in our region, like, what are some topics of interest? What do you feel like you would like some more professional development on? And oftentimes it is uh, challenging behavior. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. It, it keeps me busy. It keeps me busy. Uh, <laughs> the topic. I bet so. So yeah, I think, yeah, people will definitely enjoy this episode. Um, And since this is all about kind of um, some of the concepts and content that comes up with development appropriate practices, I wanted to start with um, a statement that I found in the book uh, related to challenging behavior. And in the book, it states, intentional teachers recognize that what adults label as challenging behavior is the language children use to make their feelings and needs known. So I was just curious what your thoughts are on this. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, you're bringing up such a good statement. And I love that we're starting out with um, just thinking about developmentally appropriate practice. And in chapter two of my book, Push Past It, I talk about how how an adult responds to challenging behaviors this depends heavily on how they process their own emotions. Like first thinking about ourselves and, you know, you bring up that statement. It, it really talks about what good educators do, right? Good in- educators are, you know, intentional teachers. Um, and I think I would add to that. <laughs> push 
that is a tool that describes the steps on how to do it, right? So, you know, thinking about, you know, how the brain is even intentional um, and, and thinking about how our brains work is that we have to actively strive to be intentional, that is kind of like a healthy lifestyle or eating healthy, that, that it's something you have to really engage in daily, consistently. And for me, honestly, Emily, I created Push Past It for myself <laughs> when I was a teacher. Um, and I just share it with everybody else because it helps keep me. I use it 10 times a day. <laughs> me to label the behaviors that make me intentional. That's it. It gives me a space for me to process my own emotions. So how the tool is used, you kind of like write down what you're feeling, right? You just just start writing down what you're feeling around the challenging behavior and you just, just you know, um, without judgment, <laughs> without, <laughs> without you just write it down, right? And then, and and be able to process what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Um, and then after that, once you've had that space to process your, to vent, oh my goodness, if you could just hear me vent, <laughs> or, you know, I vent all the time. There's a space where I could just vent and say what I'm feeling. After I do that and have that space, then I feel like I'm ready to start to push past it. And it's just an acronym of just like, pick out the positives. I have to start with the negatives first <laughs> before I get to the positives. So I get it all out, I let it happen. And then I, once I feel like I'm heard, then I can really like look at children and their language and families and, and begin to pick out positives. So my wording is I can be negative, but to be a good professional, I can't stay that way. To be a good professional and be intentional, I can't stay that way. So I, I pick out positives. I I understand perspective. I seek the neutral support because if I, you know, if I talk to someone who thinks the same way I do, might not, it might feel really good, but it may not, it, it may not help me with problem solving, right? It's like sure. something that just makes me feel better or, or that, um, makes me know that what I'm thinking is okay or other people think that way. Um, but to really think about problem solving, right? Mm -hmm. I want to seek neutral support. Um, the H is, you know, homing in on intentions. You know, a three-year-old doesn't know I have a lesson plan, so they can't, so they can't intentionally like, mess that up. Um, and that's really for me. It's really about what's my feelings, what's my behavior. So the P is like, pay attention to yourself, ask questions. And then the last part is like, take a step back and take care of yourself. Um, it just helped me to recognize my language first, pause, and then that helps me to respond to the language of a child family, a coworker, um, and, and it is grounded in research. So there's five facets of mindfulness, of intentionality, you know, observing, describing, um, being aware and not judgmental. So that's where it kind of blossomed from that. Um, and to be honest, I didn't even know it blossomed from that until I, <laughs> until I researched even more um, later in my career. So all right. Thank you. That was really helpful. And um, 
you know, just, I know for many, probably the acronym is just helpful, right? You know, it's, it's that tool to like, okay, wait, I got to pause, you know, let me remember this. Um, and it can help teachers then be intentional. And I just appreciate what you said about how, you know, it's, you got to start with yourself first and kind of thinking about your own mindset, maybe are there opportunities to reframe? How can I, you know, stay positive so I can be intentional? Um, but something you said also about like, kind of, you know, just the awareness and without judgment, like, I think, um, sometimes like we identify something as a challenging behavior when it might not be for someone else, you know, like just that whole piece of that and kind of, um, get, having a moment to just think about that. And I think, um, kind of going back to what they said in the book, it, it makes me think about like, sometimes what's challenging for myself as an educator might not be challenging for a different educator. And if, if we kind of think about it as the language, then maybe we can be a little more intentional too, with our problem, you know, our problem, mm-hmm. um, you talked about like problem solving and being in that space to be able to problem solve. Right. So if I'm so focused on, oh my gosh, this is challenging. This is so challenging. But if I think, oh, okay, this is, this child's just trying to tell me something, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might think about it a little yeah. bit differently and your acronym, I think can help us kind of, you know, stay in that, stay in that mindset. So yeah. Yeah. thank you. That's, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So another um, piece I wanted to um, chat with you about um, was just the impact of people's perceptions and view of challenging behavior um, and their own social and co- cultural context, how that, you know, what the relationship is there, what, what are those considerations? So, um, so what is your perspective, I guess, on how social and cultural context of educators and professionals impact attitudes and just approaches to challenging behavior? Oh, this is, I love this question. <laughs> I'm excited to respond. I actually teach culture, family and culture to graduate students. And so, ooh, nice. Um, so, <laughs> so thank you. I, I think the first thing, as you mentioned, um, context is just children come in context, right? Um, we know that um, D.W. Winnicott said there's no such thing as a baby. And you know what? I'm just going to update that to like, you know, Beyonce, she comes with her entourage. And so do so our children, they, they come along with people. And um, when you're in this field, I got into it because I love children. But then I slowly began to understand that to be effective to work with children, I had to really understand the children within context, the context of their culture, the, the adults that come along with them and their communities. So, you know, if I can share an example of of my own um, Mm -hmm. about culture and context is that, you know, I had a parent, you mentioned bias, I had a parent and I was working with the child and they were having challenges in the classroom, right? And so you meet with the family and, you know, we're talking about rules and the family said, you don't have rules to your 12. And I thought, what? I, I immediately was judgmental. <laughs> like, like, I like somebody, I, I, the most judgmental, I'm going to share it with you, Emily. The most judgmental thing I was like, somebody's going to jail. That's amazing. <laughs> Emily, I was completely judgmental. And that's what I thought. And then I realized slowly, right? 
after I got through my emotions, that I was imposing my cultural values on that family. That, of course, as a preschool teacher, if a toddler teacher, I love rules. Um, I probably tell I could probably tell other people as I'm out about rules. Like I could, I could do workshops about rules. So that's something that's really passionate to me. It's part of my identity. And I think that I have to recognize that. And to really understand that when something, a part of my identity pops up, what that brings up for me. And I want to talk about culture in a very broad sense, because often we think about, you know, culture in terms of, you know, race and gender. But, you know, teachers have a culture. We all are kind of like some of them were right now. If, if we have educators listen to this podcast, they were probably like, yeah, rules. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> really, as a culture of educators, we like rules. We like them. And so when we hear families that have a different way of being, or we hear even other educators that have a different way of being, it's, it's our first inclination could be because it's about our identity to kind of do a, um, you know, I always pictured of like, um, you know how like in rap movies, they start doing a dance challenge. I kind of start, start challenging those ideas, but we don't have to get into a dance challenge. We don't have to go that far. We just need to recognize ourselves, right? Recognize that space and then write down our ideas and filter our thoughts with an equity lens, right? Mm -hmm. And so for myself, everything I created was for me, <laughs> honestly, I did create a follow-up tool called the teacher's lounge, because that's what I would say in the teacher's lounge. You don't have rules to so your 12, what in the world is this family thinking? <laughs> and why are they thinking that? And what I learned is to take in that family, to take in their culture and not impose mine was to honor the teacher's lounge because my best friends are there. So that's the first thing. And recognize that it holds great value and it can also hold great bias. It, it could hold both. And that I need to filter my thoughts. And that's just a way of filtering my thoughts to... Some a couple of prompts that are on there is like, well, think of more than one way to accomplish a goal, right? Think about how one there's more than one way or one more, you know, we say things like let's be on the same page and that could make for a short book of knowledge that I can listen to another culture, listen to another way of being, not abandon my rules because guess what? I got them in the preschool classroom and come back to that family and say, you know what? I see you, you don't really rules. You don't have a positive relationship with rules. And I do I think we can collaborate within the rules I have in my classroom and still maintain your way of being with your child. Um, when you get home, you just, you're not all about the rules. You're just about relaxing and, and, and how do we create a space for both of those things? And I think that's where we are in a social and cultural context, that it's always yes and. Mm -hmm. And that we just take in the yes and, and it doesn't mean that nothing's ever wrong or it doesn't mean that we always agree. It just means that it adds another layer of understanding for me and it helps me to understand someone else's way of being in their culture. And um, that's something, honestly, Emily, I work at, at probably 10 times a day. 
again, it's not a one and done for me. Um, So one thing I would also add to that is I think about social and culture is cultural humility. I'm humble. I have to keep reminding. I have a note saying that I'm humble to stay humble. Um, And to also understand that I just, I never know. I'm always striving to be culturally competent. It's not something I got. It's something that I'm always working towards. And um, to be able to understand how my my attitudes impact others. And that's the way that I hold myself in check is by using these kind of tools like teacher's lounge, right? To be able to hold that space. I don't know. I hope that made sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really helpful for those, you know, hearing that example, kind of your lived experience and being just honest and open about that. And, um, and then also just hearing you talk about how, you know, you constantly thinking about this or working on this um, leads me back to just another value in DAP about educators being reflective and really kind of needing this space that you're talking about, right? Like we kind of need a space to come together and um, think about the, you know, the variety of perspectives and how, you know, we can work together to collaborate, to make a, a space where everyone feels um, like they are contributing members of, you know, the classroom and the environment, whether that's just the classroom and the children, or even the broader, you know, early childhood setting with the adults and the um, other educators and professionals. So yeah, good stuff. Thank you, Angela. Um <laughs> This is kind of going back, I guess, to your um, push past it approach that you mentioned a little bit earlier. I'm just trying to help make a few more connections for people too around how um, that takes into account one of the core considerations of DAP, which is context, because we've been talking a lot about that um, in this podcast series in general, you know, kind of going back to those three um, core considerations. But I think today's um, you know, relates a lot to the context one. So is there anything you want to add or share about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, push past it. The framework is all about context. Um, if you remember, I'm at Erickson Institute for graduates. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I can have a conversation without it. <laughs> um, it's kind of an unofficial motto. Um, and, and I think context, it tells you what to do next. You know, it, 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 it's a, a um, you know, often, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, challenging behaviors, like, what do I do if I have this kid that does this? And I'm just like, it, it depends on what you're going <laughs> right. to do. I, I, it depends on the child. It depends on the context. It depends on the community. So tools that I have, like the meeting making machine, I have a meeting making machine for children and adults. And it's not, it's, I call it a meaning making machine because that's what it is. I'm trying to make meaning of what a family's doing or what a coworker's doing. It's them too, right? And, you know, and thinking about it depends on the, the child. It depends on the adult. It depends on the environment. And what I'm trying to do is not necessarily stop behaviors because you know what I've, I've learned over time and I have to say, this was a process that challenges are part of, are, are you know, right, a, a part of 
our human existence. It's right. It's a, it's a part of what we do. So we're going to have challenges. The, the thing that I've learned is not to try to end them, but know how to respond them to them. And a challenge is an opportunity for a couple of things for me to learn more about myself and for me to learn more about that child, family, teacher, colleague, or whoever that is. So I think that, um, yeah, context is, yeah, it's something that I talk about all the time. And mm-hmm. with that, I think it's always the reminders. I think that just like I need a reminder to exercise, or just like I need <laughs> reminders, we all know to eat healthy, right? But right, you know, yeah, but are we doing it? Yeah, it's, you know, right. I, need, I need the reminders and help helps for that too. <laughs> All day, all the time. So I think that's the other piece. We have the values. People who are listening today, they already honor these values. But, and I don't know if I want to say a but, and I think my role is just to create tools that help, right, for us to match our actions (laughs) to all Mm -hmm. of our great values, because we've got those. But how do we actually act on those and match them together um, is probably the key piece of push past it in the framework. Okay. Thank you. So you mentioned the the meaning making machine tool. Now, is this something um, that is in your book then, or how might people get access to that if they want to, um, you know, try that out? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm super excited to say that because it is in my book and it's on my author page. And I'm going to say some words that you guys got to listen up close, put your ear close to this right now. It's free on my author page. Oh, we love that. (laughs) All right. Well, I will, um, I'll definitely add a link then to our episode notes today for listeners so that, um, they can um, easily access that if they want to take, take a look. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) I know. Okay. So context, it's really important. There's no magic wand, right? If child does this, then we do this, right? The response is very individualized and have to kind of really take a look at the context. Um, but if you were to kind of just like try to narrow down, like maybe like your top three things as far as um, just how to support children with challenging behaviors, what what top three might you say for administrators or leaders in the field? Wow. You know, Emily, you are just asking these great questions that I've thought about. I've over many years. Um, oh my gosh, so many years in the field. And okay, I came close. I did. I did. Um, you know, in my research, I, I came up with six. Okay. All right. So I got right, six, six for you. Okay. So, so really in my research um, for my dissertation and my, and my work, um, I, I developed the adult laundry list. As an adult laundry list is, you know what? Everybody knows how to do their laundry. So just want to connect with something that everyone already knew. Okay. So what's the adult laundry list? Um, when push past it in the framework, it's just six things that leaders, administrators, um, you know, whether you're a therapist or a teacher or a para, whatever it is, whatever your role, it's just six things to help us to you know, clean up our act because challenging behaviors are super messy. So, so how do we clean this all up? Um, and you, and you know what, as everybody take a breath, you already know the steps. If you could do your laundry, you're good. So, (laughs) so what's the first step? We already start talking about sorting out your feelings. 
right? Sort out how you feel because, you know, behavior is like a bike that it's a tandem bike. <laughs> Adult emotions work in tandem with child emotions. And even our emotions with families, they work in tandem with each other. So even with other adults. So sorting out, what do you think about this? What do you feel about this? How is this? What's coming up for you? Negative. You can be negative all you want. I, you know, I just think for problem solving, we move to the positive, right? But you can be negative, <laughs> probably not stay negative, but you can be in that space and then push past it to get to a new space if you want to problem solve. If you're ready to problem solve, there is a tool for you. So that's number one. Number two, repair rips in your relationship. You know, it's just like that head, you know, that you ever had a, you know, a pair of jeans, it rips and you like throw it in the wash, you cleaned it, but it probably has more rips. <laughs> and I don't know if that was your intention. So really um, repair the rips in the relationship, because if there's no strong relationship between a child, a family and for administrators, I'm throwing this out here between you and your staff, nothing's going to work. So we always got to go back to that relationship. And the good news is you can repair that. You can. Um, and the repair is the key. If we look at research by, you know, um, Edtronic and we looked at um, mismatch and lapse of attunement, you know, people are missed. The best of relationships have a mismatch 70% of the time. Whoa, 70%. We got to get good at just the repair. It's the repair that's the key, right? And then, well, three is figure out the care instructions. Every single child and every single adult, just like you have that little tag in the back mm -hmm. of your clothes, you gotta, you got, you you gotta know the key. And then how do you find out the care instructions through observation? Through observation, adults' care instructions are right there. What triggers that person? You know, if you CC them on an email, if you tell a parent their child's having challenging behavior, what triggers them? What? How do you care for them? Um, how do you know the child's interests? That's part of the care instructions. So when I do the meaning-making chart, it actually says on that, what's the child's interest? What's the strength of the child and the family is on the meat? Because if you look at everything that's wrong, you can't to get to what's right. And so I find that that's a key ingredient. So after we've kind of like looked at the care instructions, we're going to put the behaviors in the meaning making machine. We need to make meaning and that'll help us clean everything up once we, once we understand the meaning behind whether whatever age and I keep saying no, no matter what age, because the actual underlying process and skills work for any relationship, you know, for any relationship. So finding meaning is key because why one child is hitting is a different reason between why another child is hitting. So meaning making is going to dictate what you do next. Right. And then that's the next part. Choose a cycle. You know, choose. Is it is it a heavy clean? Is it a delicate? I don't know. It's like you, can, the only way you can know that is through meaning making. Because you know, some children need a delicate cycle. And I, when I say cycle, a cycle of strategies. 
that for some children, you can, you know, um, do the heavy cycle. (laughs) Children, they need a delicate. For sometimes they just need a pre-wash. I don't know. We're going to choose a cycle. (laughs) We're going to be intentional about what we're thinking about with our strategies. And the last piece is be patient during trying. So you know how you're, you washed it, you washed your clothes, you did it, and now you got to put them in the dryer. And the dryer happens in cycles and you can't make it. I've done that where I'm like, oh, I'm going to dry this really quick before I go. And it's like, oh, it's still damp. It's still, <laughs> you have to try and give it time. So that's the other thing. I can't go out wearing wet clothes, but I'm probably, it's probably not going to work well for me in the long run. So giving it the time to actually go through the cycle. And I've tried it. I'm going to wear this outfit and I've not been successful. I have to give it time. And I think we have to apply that same thought to drawing our heavy pair of jeans to also our strategies, because sometimes I have to dry my heavy pair of jeans twice after I've cleaned them. Cleaning it up isn't the whole thing. And so I'm applying that dryer idea to this because many teach it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know what? We took it out of the dryer too soon yeah. <laughs> and it, it needs to go for another cycle. And, and, and it's so, um, understanding those cycles. And those cycles happen every four to six weeks. So for those listening, how long is a cycle? How long does that dryer need to go? Well, it needs to go at least four to six weeks seems to be the sweet spot to know if I need to try something different or adjust. I do find like three weeks is too short, right? Or two weeks is too short. And when I tell that to families and I tell that to teachers or therapists, they go, oh, that's a while. Mm-hmm. Four weeks is like a month. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a preschool teacher and um, had a, a child in my classroom that we were kind of coming up with some strategies. What what can we do to help engage this child more? And I remember going into my director's office one time and we were chatting. I said, I just feel like I've tried everything. You know, I was at that point of just kind of feeling a little, and, um, she's, she kind of paused for a moment and she said, well, I wonder though, if you're trying too many things and haven't given enough time for one, like really, you know, be intentional and focus on that, the, you know, kind of plan rather, you know, I was at that point where I was just like, oh, let me just try this. Let me try this. Oh, well, that Mm -hmm. didn't work the first time. I'm going to move on to something else. So that Mm -hmm. stuck with me. And yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it, but it does, it takes patience, right? Because you want to see, you know, we want to see a change right away oftentimes, right? We want to, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I can. Good example. Good example. (laughs) All right. Well, how about like for educators then? My previous question was really thinking about administrators and leaders. Is there anything new or different as far as like recommendations for educators that you have? Yeah. Yeah. I would say this. I would say, well, it's the same, right? Same steps. I mean, it's the same exact steps um, for the adult laundry list, whether administrator or your teacher or a therapist. Um, And I would add to that that um, 
you know, the list is the same, um, but, or, and I don't want to say a, but, but, and I would say the, when we're thinking about educators and thinking about those challenging behaviors as a mental health consultant, my client, which people, which, you know, teachers may think is the child. It's really, it's not a child. It's, it's not the teacher actually. And you know what? It's not the family. It's the relationship. So I would probably add that, that I wonder when we say challenging behaviors, it's just the relationship is challenged and that we're looking at all the pieces and parts that go into that relationship um, and how they work together. Um, and, and so I would say that keep in mind the laundry list, but keep in mind what's the eyes on the prize. And it's always the relationship and challenging behavior is just a symptom, right? Of, of what is going on in that relationship. Um, so I, I wonder if that may be a, as a teacher, I never heard that. I heard that as a mental health consultant. So maybe something for teachers to consider. Maybe they hadn't thought of before. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, we're getting ready to wrap up here. So are there any kind of last minute, um, things that you want to share, anything you didn't share earlier that you're like, Oh wait, I want to make sure listeners hear this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I would say that, um, you, we're in it together. I would say that I hope that our discussion today is a beginning of a re our relationship and that we keep it going. Um, that, you know, check out my author page. I have many tools, right? I have many tools that are just free, right? That are right there. Or if, or if you want to hear more, I have like a free webinar or YouTube channel. So just connect with me and these resources. And I just, I know that you're not alone that we're together um, here to support you and, and your listeners and to be able to know that we can, that's our biggest resource, each other, and to, to connect with one another and make that space. So I would tell anyone that's listening is connect with me or continue the conversation and, um, and I'm happy to give that support. You're right. Well, thank you so much. And again, I'll be sure to include some of those resources and links right to the episode here so people can access that. And um, if you are, if you look at Starnet training calendars, you, you might um, stumble across Dr. Angela Searcy's name too. I know you've provided trainings for a variety of Starnet regions in Illinois as well. So you might want to keep your eye out there too. So you can hopefully connect with um, Angela in, in person. Are you doing in-person trainings now or is yes. it virtual? Oh. Oh my gosh, it's a mix. So it's so okay. fun to do both. I, I, I'm actually seeing some, some, um, you know, some sparks when we have the both spaces, many different spaces for us to connect. So yeah, so I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out by emailing starnet at wiu.edu or submit a request by clicking on the Request Services tab on our homepage.